We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound Outside's TV podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, you are officially in Toronto. Yes. Ich bin ein Torontonians, apparently. <laughs> Uh, but you're uh, starting a job. You're settled. This is a good thing. Is, is it? I guess so. I don't know. I'm still pretty disoriented. <laughs> well, I've heard, uh, other than from Montrealers, I've heard nothing but positive things about Toronto. So maybe you will actually like living there. Maybe. Well, I, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I'm still I'm still on it. I'm just shell-shocked. Ah, well... It'll. I look forward to to hearing your experience with the city. I should say, as you, you know, get your feel for the place uh, as a hap, as a person who lives there, not just visiting. As as I evolve or don't. Yeah, pretty much. So we have a bunch more shows this week that we covered. Uh, then last week we checked out some new ones. We uh, there's some premieres, and so uh, we have a, a lot more shows to talk about this week. It's nice. It's a good thing. Yay. Yay. Um, first, we had a couple uh, comments and tweets. Uh, we heard from Ken, who is excited for Alpha Season 2, which is uh, pretty cool. And Mario is moving along on his rewatch of The Vampire Diaries. And we got a new rating at iTunes. Woo! Thank Yay. you, mystery person, uh, whoever you are. Thank you very much. If you're listening to the show and you like what you hear, or you don't, either way, you can uh, drop us, drop over to iTunes and rate or review us. It really helps us out, and we always love hearing what you guys think of the show, so we would very much appreciate that. So, uh, Sound on Sight, what's, what's going on over there, sir? Well, we just recorded a fairly epic show on Prometheus and Alien. We did a, we split it up into spoiler, non-spoiler for the, for the kids at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, that went up last night. I know that because I edited it. <laughs> uh, and um, we're, I believe we're doing David Cronenberg this Friday. We're planning a World Cup show as well. And uh, we're supposed to do Wes Anderson at some point, but I'm not exactly sure when that's happening. But it will happen. Some heavy hitters there. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to listening to your Prometheus review just because you saw Prometheus before you saw Alien. And... Uh... There was a brief shining moment where I had seen a horror movie that you hadn't. I know. I know how wrong that was. I, I felt <laughs> dirty. Uh, and then also I'll just mention that uh, there are, the announcements of shows that are going to have panels at Comic-Con have uh, started rolling out. So uh, there's a lot of interesting things coming. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to, to watch some of the pilots on the first night. And then, then a lot of fun shows, shows that I cover for the for the website even are are gonna have panels so a lot of cool things happening with comic-con uh let me know if you're interested in particular shows that they're previewing or or that are gonna have panels let me know and so i can try to get to some of those uh and r report back on the stuff that you guys want to hear about so 
you can send an email to televerse.gmail.com, hit us up on Twitter or, or at the website, and let us know what you are excited for at Comic-Con. Um, but we should get into this uh, week in TV because there's a bunch of it. Yes, there is. So we're going to start, uh, dive in with Eagle Heart on Thursday. And uh, as people who've been listening to the podcast may know, I'm going to be in Peru next week for my sister's wedding. So it's Wedding Central here. And I forgot to watch Eagle Heart because there's been so much <laughs> going on. So uh, I'm a week behind. But what did you think of this week's episode? Uh, well, very briefly, I it was one of the gorier episodes of Eagle Heart. I mean, it was essentially a sort of a, it was a, a lampoon of of high art, uh, but there was lots of other weird notes in between. I especially liked the uh, recurring gag about whenever people get dollar signs in their eyeballs, it's actually a disease and they need to get it pried out. Um, lots, lots of great little gags like that. Good and rapid fire, not as high concept as they've been lately, but probably quite a bit funnier. So I was happy with it. Cool. Well, I'll have to make sure I check it out uh, before the next podcast so I can, you know, keep up with the season. How many more episodes are there? Do you know? I I don't. I know there's at least one more next week, um, and I feel like they would have announced if it was the finale, but uh, yeah. I feel like there's a few more. Okay, cool. Well, that'll be fun. Um, next, we have the So You Think You Can Dance uh, episode this from this week, which was the Atlanta auditions, which was ridiculous. It was fantastic. You really, you should check out some of these auditions from Atlanta, Simon, because they exploded my brain. They're these, they're these three guys who are, are roommates who do... I think they call themselves like Dragon House or something like that, but they were all amazing. Uh, and so, and not to mention there were a number of really talented um, and the and more t uh, classical uh, ballet dancers and other styles as well. Uh, it was really cool. So I'm very much looking forward to to seeing these. It's it's because in, in the auditions they do a solo, but then when they move on to the show, they have to do a different style every week, and they don't get to you know they're with a partner, they don't get to just choose necessarily their music or what style they're doing. And so I don't know how well all of these people that we've been seeing who are amazing in auditions will do on the actual show, but I'm really looking forward to finding out. So uh, that's 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 Thursday, and then on Friday we had a couple pilots. You watched the premiere of Comedy Bang Bang. I did. Um, it has, if nothing else, the most infectious theme song of the season. I assume it's imported from the podcast, which it's uh, based on Scott Ackerman's cast, but I, I really don't know. It's uh, I, I find it a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's a strange mix of a takeoff on a on a sort of a comedy talk show with bits of sketch comedy. Uh, Reggie Watts is great as the sort of musical accompaniment slash snark deliverer slash constant commentator. Um, Less sold on Thomas Lennon as the, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be in every episode, but in the pilot, at least he's the French wine expert sitting in the corner. <laughs> uh, yeah, which I don't know how I felt about that. Um, the the guests again were hit were hit and miss. I I thought Will Forte was great uh, as the as the frazzled pilot. Uh, Galifianakis was sometimes good and the uh the andy daly stuff didn't really do much for me so uh but yeah that's the, that's the nature of most uh most sketch comedy i guess but enough of it worked you're gonna check it out again uh probably uh lots of fun cameos too which i won't spoil <laughs> good times um well then after that uh i think it's after that is uh the bunk pilot which i watched did you catch bunk or no no i did not now this is a game show uh but for me it um and i actually heard a lot of positive uh, 
reviews of it or you know talking about how it was a lot of fun it's sort of a combination of improv though a lot of it feels um like they probably knew the what was going on ahead of time um and perhaps not all these all the comedians who were on as the contestants are are uh, improvisers and uh good at that but um anyways for me it didn't really work didn't come together uh it was i felt like it was trying way too hard uh, and so it just came off as sort of um grating uh the, i wasn't a big fan of the the host and the tone that he was trying mostly for me if if you're gonna be mega enthusiastic or hey we're we're terrible and we don't care then it needs to actually be funny and for the most part i i felt like it it wasn't that funny um some of the segments worked a lot better than others there was a rather entertaining segment of shame that puppy where they each held a puppy and then had to shame it in some way it was pretty awesome but in general as a whole uh i was just maybe it's just because i like game shows too much you know it's, so i it's... wanted it to be more of like a win ben stein's money because i feel like it was kind of like that except then if they were kind of oh if jimmy kimmel had been like staring at the camera going love me uh, that's kind of what it felt like to me see i i couldn't support any ben stein enterprise with any amount of energy although i will say that the the best bit of humor in the comedy bang bang pilot is also dog related so maybe there's something going on there <laughs> i i just pretend i don't know ben stein's politics or uh you know some of his uh, personal beliefs and and then i'm a-okay with with him but yeah I, I i know what you mean um anyway so i i'll have to check out comedy bang bang for i i wouldn't i'm not gonna check in but uh with bunk i don't think again unless there's a, a guest that i really enjoy i would actually be really entertained to see like tom lennon on on that i think he would do really well with that format but anyways um that's the that's our friday at ifc then on sunday uh we checked in with metalocalypse writer's clock for which is the episode that's a, a week old and then death camp from this week um i just caught it during the week when, when they were showing a replay of the episode from last week and which was writer's clock and i had a lot of fun with the show uh so it was this episode was about um the the lead writer creative force uh, in the band uh, is having writer's block and they they bring in a new female producer to uh to, to to get them get things going and uh then things take a turn let's say uh so i had a lot of fun with it what did you think of death camp uh well in in my case i mean i i i feel like i haven't seen an episode of metalocalypse since maybe season 1 when i watched maybe some of it on dvd and uh, with this episode, I mean, it was about these sort of, um, I'm actually not sure if he's the, the bassist or one of the guitarists, but he's the, the very shrimpy one who's, uh, who's diabetic <laughs> uh, and mm. has a real hang up about it, uh, goes to a rock and roll camp as a regular dildo and uh, tries, to, tries to blend in. Uh, I, I felt with this episode, because I know that Metalocalypse used to, for a while, was a, was a half hour show. And this episode felt very constrained to me. Like the, the pacing was just even for an adult swim show was just a little bit too clipped and really could have used a little bit more time to, to spread its wings uh, or whatever you'd want to call it. Also, I'm very confused about Werner Herzog providing the one line intros to apparently every episode this season. Go figure. Yeah. The episode I watched had a little bit of that. It wasn't quite as, as bad as it sounds like it was for the one that you saw. 
Um, but I'll, I would be interested to go back and check out some of their half hour uh, episodes. I think that was last season that they, yeah. or maybe the one before that they were at half an hour and see how the, how, how the pacing is different or if it's just as full at a half hour. Uh, so that, that's interesting. Then we had girls leave me alone, uh, which yeah, we're focused on, on, on the ladies a bit more than last week. So what did you think of this episode? Um, well, great. Now that you've said it focused on the ladies, you're going to make me sound like a dick because uh, this was one of my least favorite episodes of Girls. <laughs> um, I especially, I mean, it, it the episode relies on a, on a couple of sequences really working fantastically for it to come off, especially the fight that is the end slash climax of the episode between um, Hannah and Marnie. And especially the fight was just the, the editing and directing was so stilted it kept cutting between one shots of of the two characters sort of throwing their jabs at each other with like a five se- with like a with like 3 to 5 second pauses in between and it sounds like a minor thing but it really it took any sort of intensity and rhythm out of that fight and made it seem like you know they were they were taking se- like separate takes of every single line it was very distracting a, a really weird bit of editing and directing um, the rest of the episode was okay, uh, but didn't really feature either great laughs except for Adam and his jar of mayo and, uh, didn't, didn't seem particularly in- insightful either. I did like the scene between, uh, Catherine Hahn and Jessa, if only cause it gave her a slightly different note to play and maybe we'll take her to new places. But, uh, yeah. And once again, what's going on with Shoshana? Really? Yeah, she does feel like she's on a completely different show doesn't she um we'll see hopefully we'll get a little bit more time with her in the last in the last episode but uh yeah i will agree i I really enjoyed the scene with katherine han after things came to a head uh with with jessa and, and her husband i wasn't necessarily anticipating her being back but i i thought that it was you know i was which was a disappointment to me because i do enjoy her quite a bit and i thought she worked really well here and and uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with Jessa in in the finale and the next season as well. As for the fight, um, yeah, per- I mean, I see what you're saying. Perhaps it was a little too uh, stilted, uh, but it it worked for me. Uh, it it seemed authentic, and these are two very selfish people. So often it seems to me uh, in these kinds of friendships. You end up with one person who has all the drama and one person who has no drama and so acts as a sort of – the two balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not yeah, – and so you know, that, that's how that friendship or whatever coexists. But that's not the case with these two. So it makes sense that it, things would come to a head. Um, and I don't know, just several elements of that fight really uh felt real to me it really worked mm-hmm. so um we'll see what happens with the finale I, I, it felt like to me a more transition episode yeah for sure uh, i mean so. i didn't i didn't have any trouble with the writing of that scene it was mostly directing um i did the i did have an issue with the writing earlier in the episode when they're at um when they're at hannah's old fr- well old frenemies party and they're talking about, um, oh, I wasn't lucky enough to have a dead boyfriend, which is which was kind of funny, but a little a little on the broad sort of ha ha side for for the show. In general, the episode felt a lot more conventional than what they've been doing lately. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see if they do if they get a, a little daring again at the end. 
I will actually agree with you on, on that. The um the jokes about uh the boyfriend killing himself did feel like it felt like if you told somebody about this show, some a scene that they would write. So yeah. not you know, like it, it was very expected and even just the timing of it didn't quite work for me. So mm-hmm. so I definitely hear what you're saying with that. Uh, but let's move on to the Veep finale and Tears. I <laughs> this, this ruled. really like this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I think this is one of the best episodes. And I thought it was a really, it was a strong season overall, um, especially for a show that didn't necessarily get a lot of attention. Um, it still feels like a, a more minor show than The Thick of It. Uh, that's the last time I'll mention The Thick of It today. Um but uh, still very enjoyable. I loved. Do you have any idea where we've seen the congressman's aide before? You know, I I recognize him too, and I tried to look up a cast list, but he's not on any of the ones that I can find. Hmm. I, th- I feel like he was in Scott Pilgrim or something. Anyway, uh, he was great. I, I love the way he he constantly negated his own existence just to get out of situations. Like I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fantastic. Um. I like the little bit of tension we got uh, with Dan throughout the episode, his arrogance leading to a possible huge salad tosser of et cetera uh, for for, uh, for the future of the Veep's office. Uh, I can't really think of anything to dislike about the episode. I loved um, Jacob ed- entering to applause and just having a moment. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of so many great little moments in this episode. Jonah, by the way. Sorry, Jonah, yes. Yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah. It's interesting. I thought, first of all, I thought it was hilarious. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, and part, while I was watching it, the part of my brain want, wanted them to at least mention the gender politics of if you ever, well, so so much of this episode was predicated on, on the Veep crying. Yes. Uh, and, and there was no mention on how if you ever saw a male politician get that emotional because they were tired or because people didn't like them, it would, they would be an utter laughing stock. And so there's absolutely just no mention of, of how utterly, you know, that, that's just that element of, of well, the situation. I mean, it's implicit. You mean, you, they don't have to spell it out for you. Well, I, it's something, you know, but I, I'm curious what they think of that. I, I, I don't know if, if they would, be all for it like hey yeah whatever we can get i don't care you know or or if you know if if they would take the position it's okay to for her to to be more emotional and and we it's okay for her to be treated differently in her job because she's a woman or you know so that you know that's interesting to me that's all kind of beside the point though because the the tears i mean initially yes she does get emotional genuinely but the the great majority of the episode is really just you know quote emotional honesty as a political tool which is something that that politicians of every of every race color and creed use regardless of whether or not that's that takes the form of tears or jokes or or whatever yes except that she wasn't faking it well the first time but the other no, any of this no she wasn't faking it at all Her people were manipulating her to put her into situations where she would cry, but she didn't know about it. She wasn't, those weren't fake tears at all. Well, except when she's up at the, uh, at at the, um, the event, she's aware that, that the crying is tracking well and she uses it. No, she's not yet. She doesn't know that. No? 
I could No, I don't think so. She she finds out afterwards. They know that the crying is tracking well, but then they're concerned that she's going to start crying again and then that'll be too much and R- regardless, she very specifically engineers the speech as starting off sad and getting triumphant. It's not something she does honestly. I don't I have a completely opposite reading of that. That's not what I saw at all. Oh, there you uh, go. It was a totally calculated cynical move. It wasn't at all that yeah, she well, didn't know that. Go. Interesting. We have uh, I'm going to need to watch that scene again Yeah, cause... she's getting engineered in the interview, but the but the speech is all her. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I just I completely disagree. I read that scene the you know, like the exact opposite actually. So that that's a uh, huh, that's that's fun. Uh yeah, I don't see any, you know, manipulation on her part at all. I see somebody who can't, who's just struggling to pull herself together. But uh, that that's such a, and it really changes the tone of a lot of that, that sequence. So interesting. That's a diff- very different take. But let's, uh, but move, let's on. move on. It, it was a real good episode. Exactly. On a different show, maybe they go into the gender politics. Maybe they go into all of that. But on this show, they, their main goal is just to be funny. And, and they are. And so I... I didn't expect them to go where they started to go with Dan. I look forward to that next season. Uh, I just uh, Mike's sheer utter relief at not having Dan as a boss was pretty <laughs> yeah. fantastic. And, I, and I, I love the breakdown that Dan was getting about what a, what a congressional hearing really means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you oh, shouldn't lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was uh, it was a really it was a good episode. Um, and I, I look for. I, I do think it's too bad more people aren't talking about this show. Yeah. Well, in in a way, it's it's kind of not surprising because when it, when the when the show first showed up, everyone was expecting it to be a political hot potato. Um, and then it the show itself ended up being relatively apolitical, except to say politicians are horrible people. <laughs> so and their aides are horrible people. So in the end, it ended up being fairly uncontroversial. But very funny so that's not necessarily the, th- the thing that think pieces are made out of yeah um let's move on to true blood and the season five premiere turn 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 this was the first episode that you've ever seen yes uh, it, it's been almost universally just critically destroyed i feel uh what did you think of of the true blood uh premiere well i think to answer that question i'm gonna have to ask some questions um so has the show i mean the impression I'm under is that the show has sort of evolved over the course of its run. Like it used to be one thing and now it's another. Is that the case or has it always been this ridiculous and deus ex machina and with 50 characters? Um, yeah, the the characters thing has just expanded. Every, every year they expand and they don't kill people off. And so what happens then is you have way too many characters and, and and so basically all all of the main characters that you're seeing started out on the show all of the more fringe characters Alcide came in season like 2 or 3 um the army buddy is new this year the the shapeshifter's girlfriend uh was new last year in his family so they they just keep expanding their world without ever contracting it and that's why you have so many characters at this point i guess there's been a few notable deaths and one of which they deal with in this episode but as for the the tone or or the show i mean it's it's always been similar the difference is that sometimes it's more effective than others so so you know this has always been a show that's big with its twists and its cliffhangers and theoretically it's very exciting and 
and you have no idea what's going to come next. Um, but the trouble with that is they, at a certain point, it is to, to different people at different times, it's felt less authentic. And so then it, it just seems to come out of nowhere. So I think, I don't think it's as different as some people may feel. I don't feel like there's a big change this episode, but, uh, but yeah, so ish. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I had fun with this. It, it, it being a person who had no expectations. Uh, I mean, it had lots of sex and violence and swearing, and it was it, it had things moving fast, and it it made me happy. Um, I, I mean, I the I the aspect. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how all these characters relate to each other. The whole army buddies segment of the episode was the was the stuff that felt the most disconnected, mm-hmm. and felt like. I don't understand why I'm seeing these characters in this context, but um, I don't know. There's lots to, I mean, so many actors I enjoy, Chris Bauer, Carrie Preston, Dale Dickey, who I had mm-hmm. no idea was going to be showing up. Who's if they give her a nude scene, I'm going to clap. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cause that would be really badass. But um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, you know, but, but then again, I, I, I don't expect anything from it, from an episode or a season of true blood. Although I am, I'm hoping that Dennis O'Hare shows up soon, as I understand uh, everyone is. Yeah, he was a, a lot of fun. Have you seen any clips of him? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, he's just 100% swagger when he's on the show. So, yeah, I assume we'll be seeing him, maybe not right away, but uh, within the next several weeks, he should be showing up. Um, I would anticipate. Yeah, I was, I was fine with this. I, I don't think it's great. I won't be covering it for the website uh, this year just because I'm going to be out of town on a lot of Sundays this summer, so it doesn't really make sense. If you're want, if you listening and you would like to cover True Blood for us, please uh, please let us know. Send us an email, and, uh, and we'd love to have somebody cover True Blood for the website since I'm not really able to do it this year. Um, but, yeah, certain things I would agree. The Army Buddies, uh, the, the music cues whenever uh, they say fire just so terrible and on the nose <laughs> uh but but i also think they're you know and i i really enjoy lafayette so the more emotional side of that worked for me uh the 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 flashbacks with tara worked for for me and uh <laughs> as been, much they were so cornball though oh oh yeah they were very they were very cornball absolutely 100 percent. like glowy filter i mean Totally. But it's, for me, it still worked. Um, Pam is always just fun. So whenever there's Pam, and I hear we have more Pam coming to us this year. So that's, that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, they, they need to find something different to do with Jason because this is the exact same note he's been playing for quite a while now. Um, and having a psycho vampire in love with him is, you know, they they need to move beyond the fact that Ryle Quantin is ridiculously gorgeous and uh, <laughs> and focus on some other element of the character than the fact that he's in really good shape, um, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, <laughs> I think this is the first time I've 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 heard you say that about him about an actor. Yeah, I mean, he's in like ridiculous. Like, this is a, a cast filled with beautiful people, beautiful people. And awesome, hilarious, funny people is this entire cast. Because they are cast for one of two reasons. Um, some of them, I'm hoping we will find out, are funny as well as pretty. Like the new uh, Eric's sister. I'm, 
which is a lovely. Yeah, what was I, up you, with you that? Could almost, you could almost see them enjoying the fact that apparently two vampires who are sired by the same person are called brothers and sisters. Because we've set, we've met his family, they're all actually dead. So that's not his actual biological sister. Heads oh, up. that's disappointing. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no incest for us. But yeah, well, I yeah, I, obviously they're trying to play that up. HBO loves its uh loves its incest, but um, yeah. So certain things worked for me, certain things didn't. Um, and hopefully they will just kind of get things going with with a couple different storylines that have been uh been teased for a while i don't care about the werewolves what did you think about the werewolves uh honestly the only thing i'm thinking about the werewolves is did they grow the guy who plays Elcide in a lab <laughs> don't you recognize him from how many mother no brunch dude oh oh wow no i totally forgotten about that yeah uh that's my only question so far i can't pronounce his i don't remember his name it's joe Starts with an M and it's long. Magic yellow or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, guy. Another one that like like I'm surprised he's not in some superhero movie just just based on the size of his shoulders. Seriously, but, right? Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. So yes. Lots. Yeah. I think I, I get the impression you've pretty much caught on to exactly what this show is, and uh, when it's at its best, it can be much more than that as well. But when it's not, you know, anything more, I still think it's kind of silly fun. Oh, good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good. I didn't necessarily anticipate that. So that should this should be fun. So let's move on to our last episode of the week before our uh, our season recap of of Mad Men, and that is the Bunheads pilot, which aired on Monday on ABC Family. This is from Amy Sherman Palladino, who is also the creator of Gilmore Girls, which you haven't seen. Um, and share some of the same cast uh, and a lot of the same tone, I would say, as that show. What did you think of this premiere? I really enjoyed this uh, more than I was expecting to, actually, uh, just based on the fact that, I mean, I know we have this complicated relationship with ABC Family where, yeah, we like the middleman, but we still we don't have too many reasons to respect you just yet. And yet uh, this is uh, this I thought was a really strong pilot. Felt like it it could have just been a regular network show, just fine. I'm not sure why the family distinction. It also didn't seem especially family friendly compared to any other sort of network dramedy. But maybe that's just me. Um, I I've never seen Gilmore Girls, like you mentioned. So I, I I mean I've heard from everyone that the comic rhythms are pretty much the same as on Gilmore Girls. But I um, I wouldn't know the first thing about it. But I did find it very very funny. Uh, I was a little bit sad about Alan Ruck. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? Um, it, I, I decided to tease you a little bit with that by saying, hey, Alan Ruck's in it. Get excited. Uh, knowing <laughs> that, I mean, it, it became clear to me halfway through that he was not going to make it through the episode, but maybe that's just me. Um, or me, I mean, he could be in a coma, I guess, but man, that guy needs a regular working gig. Because he's amazing and he's really good here and... I mean, every time he pops up on the shows that I like, like just his episode of Justified, for example, so much fun. And yeah, Alan Ruck needs, uh, if he wants it, needs a regular gig. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I thought it was warm and funny and humane uh, with a, I, I, I think the lead is really engaging. Uh, I, I'm under the impression she's a bit of a cult item herself. I'm not ent entirely sure why. And it kind of made me think not so fondly about smash in the sense of the way it deals with you know the 
the difficulties and the joys of you know the performing arts in a way that seems <laughs> more honest and less heightened. Oh gosh, yeah, uh, I there have been there are several scenes in this that I absolutely identified with. Uh, obviously, I I'm not a dancer at all, but just the oh, I really wish I hadn't taken this gig. Uh, I've had one of those very recently so uh i could identify with that and then the audition sequence like you mentioned is is fabulous and uh j- just it just seems to be a little more soul crushing to be 100 percent accurate but uh her, she probably her, didn't want to do that quite yet to the to the children no not so much but i i agree i think that sudden foster is strong as the lead uh kelly bishop is fabulous uh of course as her mother-in-law um, she's also uh, prominent on Gilmore Girls, and I would say it is very similar in its com- uh, comedy. Other than I would say Gilmore Girls is a bit faster. The it's a it, it's just the dialogue, the patter is is just cranked up a few notches in in tempo. Um, it, but other than that, uh, I, the one thing that bugs me about this one is the, the fact that the character is named Truly. Really? Who names their kid Truly? Other than that... Well, I mean, she's meant to be a bit batty, so it kind of makes sense, but... Yeah, but in my head, she's just going to be Trudy. That's just... Yeah, that's... I I, I kind of agree with that. Yeah. Um, Other than that, though, which is a completely ridiculous, silly thing to have a hang-up on, I very much enjoyed this pilot. I think the kids work, and I I like... You know, they they seem real, and they... uh, the, The... I know you can see the setup of them. This was the 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 really talented one who doesn't get you know who doesn't have the passion. And this is you know they're they're a bit you know uh, tropes or character types at this point. Yeah, but, definitely. But I still think there there's a lot of potential there, and uh, I look forward to seeing what the what this season has to offer. And I would suggest to you, based on the fact how much you seem to like this pilot, yeah, 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 I need to watch Gilmore. Check Girls. out some Gilmore Jesus, Girls. I'm already watching Battlestar and. All this other stuff. It's I'm, just it's yeah, too and much. I'm, I'm just saying, put it on the list. If you like uh, this, I think you'll like Gilmore Girls. The list is too long. I, I'm, I'm under the impression I don't have to watch the last season. There's a bunch of it that you don't have to watch, but I think you'll enjoy early Gilmore Girls since you like this. The The town of Paradise feels very much like Stars Hollow. It actually feels smaller than Stars Hollow, which is the, the small New England town where Gilmore Girls is set. Which is also quirky. This feels like a strip mall, basically. (laughs) And some of it is closed. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I I would be surprised if we didn't flesh out the world of Paradise a bit more and get to know, like, for example, each of the the girls' parents um, and and really get a a bigger sense of, of the community. But as just as it is, just as pilot by itself, it's, I mean, look, compared to the other pilots we watched this year, <laughs> yeah, let's. It's not. It's not even close. Uh, yeah. I also. I also kind of dug the contrar the contrarianism of killing off literally the only male character on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do kind of. I mean, I assume it's something that she's done a good job with in the past, but I assume that means they're going to start shuttling in love interests. Which, yeah. yeah. We'll see. I'm not about too that. excited about that, but we'll we'll see what happens. I would assume. Yeah, I would assume they will spend a little bit of time establishing the show, but. There, there will. I would be surprised if if male fringe characters didn't start popping up um, over the course of the next few episodes. Um, it's clearly geared towards women, though. I mean, 
they they obviously are are not trying to keep it you know gender balanced at least at the moment but yeah we'll see. oh one other thing i kind of hate the title ah it's okay it's a, i find it to be a it, it sounds like an abc family show but it doesn't watch like a family show like it feels like a, the title of a sillier show than it is well and also the title refers to the i would say third ranking characters the girls it doesn't refer yeah. to the the lead or the secondary character which is the mother-in-law so having the title be about your you know and the, at least from what i'm seeing in the pilot your third ranking is in terms of importance uh set of characters seems kind of strange to me but uh i guess yeah. you know, they, they should have called it they should have called it showgirls the series see where that got them <laughs> slightly different but yeah so it was uh i guess we'll we'll have to keep in touch with this one it's nice to have a surprise yay yay so a few show notes here before we go to our mad band segment with adam farrington williams who covers the show for us over at sound on site our intro and outro music is sweet petite by the bicycles uh you can find us at soundonsite.org uh, where there will be a post up for this for this episode um, you can also find the podcast streaming at Current, and if you want to find us on iTunes, we have an MP3 and an M4A chaptered feed. You can leave ratings or reviews there, like all the cool people do. Um, what else? You can send us email, theteleverse at gmail.com, or we are both on uh, Twitter. I am at the Televerse Simons, at Zuckerharl. I won't be around for the next week and a half, but feel free. Yes, I probably won't get you know, I won't be able to respond to tweets at the moment, but I will try to get back to you guys as soon as I can. And that uh, seems like that's probably uh, uh, probably about enough. So we will now uh, take a break, listen to a bit of the Mad Men theme, and come back to talk Mad Men Season 5. <laughs> Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Simon Howell, and this week we're skipping the DVD shelf and we're talking Mad Men Season 5, and to help us with that, we've brought on Adam Farrington-Williams, who covers Mad Men for the website. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kate. Hi, Simon. How's everyone going? It's a little early for us, it's a little late for you, but we're, yeah, you know... Yeah, we're making it work. Cross-hemisphere synergy, so it's going to be great. <laughs> so this was, uh, shall we say, an eventful season yeah. of Mad Men. Uh, a lot happened, and after the last two episodes, uh, there were a lot of you know people trying to guess what was going to happen in this finale, what could possibly top both what happened with Joan and then what happened with Lane. And uh, they, they, I, I would say they chose to go, I decided they were either going to go cr absolute, like totally crazy, or they were going to do a moody character piece. And, uh, like, they do so frequently on Mad Men. Uh, yeah. So which way would you say that they went, Adam? And what did you think of the, the finale and then also the season? Uh, look, to be honest, Kate, I, I, 
I sort of found the finale a little bit disappointing, which, um, you know, reviewer readers will probably hear, uh, read when they read my review, hopefully. Um, uh, look, I, I thought it was a little, there were a, a lot of moments in this, um, finale, I guess, if we're just talking the last episode at the moment, where, where I sort of felt, look, they've got a lot of things to just contrive an ending for certain character arcs. Like uh, I thought, like um, uh, Pete's Pete's sort of whole, I guess, uh, affair could have with with Beth could have probably happened in um, Lady Lazarus, but they sort of it felt very contrived to make it happen at the end of of the thirteenth uh, episode and I guess the season. Uh, I just I don't know. What did you think, Simon? I I sort of felt that that. That was one of the weakest plotting efforts from from Weiner, um, through, for arguably the entire show. I, I thought it was not uh, an exceptionally good episode based on the s- standards of the season. I mean, what's funny is some people might be surprised that it wasn't so eventful a finale, but th- we're now, th- if I'm not mistaken, three for five on those because the first couple seasons, the finales are like that. A lot happens in the penultimate episode. And then the last episode is just kind of a mood piece. And then in seasons three and four, if I recall correct, I definitely in three and I think in four, they uh, they had finales where a lot happened. And here we've had a whole season basically where a lot happens almost and or at least maybe 10 episodes worth. It's been a ridiculously eventful season, as Kate mentioned. And now we're sort of ending on this down note. I mean, I, I do think the episode had some amazing moments especially visually, uh, a couple of just stunning moments, especially uh, whether you thought it was on the, uh, too on the nose or not, that shot of Don walking away from Megan's set was uh, No, was I thought that was, that was a, yeah, that was beautiful, that bit. And, uh, and also, it, and it was kind of a similar scene, I guess, but him watching Megan's screen test with the, with the smoke rising through the projector light, that was also gorgeous. That yeah, that actually for me that reminded me of season one. I think it was the end of season one when he's uh, when he's he's reviewing slides of his kids and his family. Uh, there was a similar tone to that scene, uh, and I guess it's it's kind of interesting that they hark back to that um, when he's looking upon Megan as you know I would say the new love of his life or whatever. Um, but, but, <laughs> Yeah, for for me, it definitely had its moments, um, the final episode, um, and another fight for Pete, which is always good. Uh, <laughs> Two. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've sort of found that it, it, I've always loved Pete um, as a character, even though, you know, he's a bit of a piece of work at times. He tends to redeem himself in, in bizarre ways, for me at least. Oh, he doesn't redeem himself at all. He's terrible. I know, and a lot of people say that it's, to me. You know, it's not that he's—it's not that he redeems himself. It's that he finds new ways to be pitiable. In a way, I guess yes. <laughs> Just things like when when he dances with um with Trudy at uh, Roger's wedding back in I think it's season three. It's just it, it's that adorable. Like he's just a—he's a dill, and and you kind of. You kind of decide with him for that, and his his stupid little sayings like "Hell's bells, Trudy," is sort of another moment. Like, uh, I mean, he's a worm most of the time. Like Lane definitely hits that on the head earlier in the season, but uh, 
I, I, I've still really loved him. Although this season, I've found that he, he, yeah, he's as you say, he's not redeemable at all. Like, uh, and that's what I sort of didn't quite like about how they wrapped up Pete's arc in this season because I felt that they were kind of by. So giving him his apartment again in 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 the city, um, and I guess his little bit of exposition that he sort of sprouts at um, Beth about you know his why he has chased after her and other women in the season. I felt like that was the writers, you know, trying to give him a little bit of vulnerability and hopefully a little bit of redemption, but it, it didn't play for me personally. Well, see, I I think that's interesting because I really enjoyed the the sequence with Beth. Uh, first of all, I think that's a really significant thing that was happening at the time. The dissatisfaction of the American housewife stuck out in the suburbs, and the notion that if she wasn't happy sitting at home, <laughs> barefoot in the kitchen making pie, that that she uh, must be crazy and must you know need to get shocked into happiness somehow. Uh, yeah. it was, so I, I'm glad that they, that they addressed that. I thought that it worked well for me. I wasn't too bothered by the, uh, the timing of it, the convenient, oh, it's the finale timing. Cause I feel like that's sort of inherent to, to TV finales on almost every show. So I'm more forgiving of that. Um, but I actually, I did really enjoy the sequences with Alexis Bledel. I thought she was really good here. Um, and, uh, and it was good to get some, some look into why Pete is doing what he's doing, even if he's completely full of it, which, you know, I would assume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the the best thing he ever did is marry Trudy. You know, he, he lucked out. He's, he wouldn't be where he is if he, if he, like, if on a different show, if he and Megan, or not, sorry, if he and, um. Uh, uh, Peggy had gotten together uh, yeah. back in season one or two. It would have, you know, he wouldn't be where he is. So the fact, yeah, the only the only real flaw with Trudy is that she's insanely gullible. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And sometimes to the point of unbelievability. I, I, I sometimes think. Well, I also think that we we see what she says to him when he comes home. We don't see scenes with her, but not him. And I think yeah. that uh, yeah. she, I mean, she's shown herself to be very intelligent and and um, f- excellent at working with people and uh, playing situations and figuring out, you know, reading social cues and stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if she knows that he's cheating on her and just would rather he not be around as much if he's going to well, come home, you and know, like that. I, I don't, I don't. I don't know. Like the scene didn't suggest that, but on the other hand, we got a very similar scene a few seasons back when um, you know I th- he was out on some, st- on some on some weird affair, and she made a comment like oh, I forget exactly what she said, but she clearly knew something was up mm-hmm. and yeah. was willing to look past it or, or or at least let it go for the time being. So I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if that's just inconsistency or or the situation with the au pair too. Yeah. If I could just get back onto, uh, I guess, um, something that was brought up earlier, and I was going to say it, and then I forgot it, was basically uh, the similarity. Uh, a lot of TV shows, I guess, recently seem to be doing that thing of the second last episode is the big bang crash, wow, plotty sort of... Um, Wild, fiery, explosion yeah, awesomeness. Yeah. 
Yeah, because Game of Thrones has done it, and it reminds me of The Wire. Pretty much a lot of their seasons, the second last episode Every was... season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sort of that. And then it was filler for the finale, which is kind of against what, I guess, the major networks would normally be doing. I mean, I, I'm mostly watching the HBOs and the AMCs and the FXs and all that sort of thing. And they tend to... I've noticed they tend to sort of do that, and I'm not sure it quite works. Uh for me, I wanted to see the repercussions of of Lane's death, like literally in the days after after it, on the characters, the peripheral characters being, you know, your Kennys, your um, Harrys. Uh, when uh, in that final episode there, when Harry's in the lift with Joan, it was sort of it was unclear for a little while whether he had known what was going on yet, uh, which was kind of interesting. Um, but at the same time, I, I felt. I felt like they missed out a little bit there, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And, and uh, Madman sort of has that <laughs> that thing where it almost tries to not do the obvious, which is good, but I, I, I sort of feel like they should have maybe gone down the obvious path there and, and tackled those issues and how the characters would have dealt with them, I guess. For me, the scene, one of the, my favourite scenes in the episode was actually that lovely scene with, again, Don and Joan and... Clearly, that's a pairing that works very well on the show. But it was one of the one that directly addressed Lane's death and the way that they were both dealing with it, or, or in Don's case, avoiding it until it comes up and gasses him in the face. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do, you know, I. It's one of those things with the way that the show is set up to skip time between each episode, just sort of fast forward to the next eventful moments in their, their all of their lives. Um, you do miss out on on the direct fallout of so many of the different situations this season. Um, so I, I see where you're coming from, Adam. But for, I guess again, it didn't really, it didn't bother me. I guess just getting that scene with Don and Joan was enough for me. Yeah, right, well, right. Fair enough. We uh, we kind of glossed over there the um, the other way they deal with Lane's death this episode, which is to have Don. Quite surprisingly, I thought. Um, have visions of his brother who we haven't seen I don't think there's been any mention of him even, even since season one so that was a bit of a shocker yeah and he's not that mm-hmm. which is good <laughs> no, it makes sense it's a good thing it, it works and uh, it's something that a lot of people hadn't even really thought about until the reviews came out last week after the episode and, and mentioned Adam but I was very glad to see Adam come back hmm yeah, I, I thought, once again, I, I feel like I'm the one just sort of beating up on this episode. <laughs> it, it, it worked and, and it didn't. It, like, it was good that they sort of, you know, to not acknowledge that that would have had some sort of effect seeing, you know, that his brother had done the exact same thing as Lane. That that sort of makes sense. I just thought how they handled it um, with another semi-dream sequence. Uh, um, I, it all feels a little bit contrived and, and, and I, I hate to say that because it's the rest of the season's been so strong and although there were moments like that that worked for me early on in the season moments like in Signal 30 um, where Kenny is pretty much relaying um, Pete's exact emotions in that, in, that, in that time period at the very ending of that episode um, mm-hmm. when he's if you recall, yeah, he, he's he's writing a new short story. That that sort of thing should have been on the nose, but it wasn't. 
Uh, and but for for whatever reason, I think maybe my hopes were just too high for this episode. Well, I I think the the, the problem with this episode, and I think the biggest issue with the season for me is there was just a little too much. Like, I I would have been happy with him glimpsing Adam in the elevator. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a loaded moment. You can extrapolate a lot from that. We didn't, I don't, I didn't really feel like I needed two more scenes with them. And the, the whole thing with him having this, um, this rotted tooth or a hot tooth, as I guess they called it at the time. Um, oh, that old timey talk. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, being a metaphor for how he's not dealing with things like the whole season. I I, I think it's been a, a really strong season. Maybe my second favorite, although I'm not entirely sure. We'll have to figure that out later. I do think it's I do think it's probably the least subtle season of Mad Men. Yeah, it's definitely I would say the least subtle. I, as much as there have been a lot of amazing episodes this season, and week to week, I think it's been incredibly strong. Uh, even the episodes I'm not a big fan of, uh, which mostly involve Betty, uh, they, it's been incredibly obvious symbolism and, in some cases, music choices and and mm. even costuming. Here, the you know, the infantilization of Megan, you know, in that last scene that we see her with, with the ballerina slippers and the mm. the very childlike costume that they have her in, which I, it was she looked so much more like Snow White than. Like Sleeping Beauty, yeah, but, that's true. Well, yeah, um, yeah. But but anyways, uh, you know they they aren't going for subtlety this season, but for the most part, I feel like they've been praised for it. So I'm curious to mm. see if that trend continues next year. Yeah, well, and also the one thing that I felt they did a little bit differently this season was the sort of darker edge, and there are quite a lot of almost sinister moments um, to this season, and particularly. Um, Richard Speck. Speck, that's it, yeah. And, I mean, he framed that episode and it was particularly dark the entire way through. And then there, and then straight after that, I, I felt Signal 30 was reasonably... Signal 30, I think I think that was a different episode, wasn't it? I believe Signal 30, they were talking about the, the shooter from... That's right, yeah. yeah. Which was enough, yeah. Uh, I guess that, yeah, that for me, side by side... I think added a lot to that feeling that it was darker and, and, and everything around it, I mean, wasn't as dark, but I've never seen, I can't recall anything as dark as either of those uh, episodes across four seasons prior to it. Well, if you're going to talk dark episodes, I mean, the both having a one-two punch of Joan and then Lane, it's hard to get too much more depressing and, uh, and disturbed and all sorts of, bad D words uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. in episodes, you know, like those, like particularly Jones, because uh, with, with Lanes, you saw it coming for a while. You knew they were building to something, but with Jones, it just kind of, you know, left hook out of nowhere, uh, right, right in the face. I don't know. For, for me, in, that, in those first 10 episodes, I think for six or seven of those, they came on this really magical balance of making a lot happen not beating you over the head with things too much and sort of it bringing that darker edge that uh, Adam was mentioning. Uh, and then there were a few episodes that were a little bit less eventful, generally involving Betty. Although I will, I am a Betty defender. I'm like the only one, <laughs> but then when, when we hit the, um, the, uh, as you were saying, Kate, that one, two punch, 
for me, that kind of that sort of sent the season into a bit of a tailspin for me. I, I, I mean, there are great things in those episodes, but it just it felt like too much. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I actually thought I, I could strangely I could see a suicide coming. I just I was thinking, and my girlfriend and I who have been watching it together, we were thinking it would be Pete. Mm-hmm. She, keep, she keeps referring to the image from obviously the title sequence where they use Don's arm over the couch. They've actually, you know, they've they've shown that in the actual show before. Uh, she was thinking it'd be Pete falling out of the sky, as in the title sequence, which is kind of interesting. Um, so I was, uh, they they sort of had me. I, I know it was foreshadowed that that um, Lane was unhappy uh, and, and sort of unfulfilled, but. Just as much paid, I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh well, see, I'm just again. I'm reminded of uh, Game of Thrones. The their worst ones always come back. So yeah, <laughs> we're not getting rid of Pete anytime soon. Though a lot of people, I would say, especially with that, going back to that uh, earlier. I think it's earlier season shot of him just sitting there holding the shotgun at the, yeah. at work. I mean, they've definitely been really playing up his dissatisfaction this season. Well, well, and there's also just the general notion of suicide was, I mean, suicide and death was lingering over the whole season. I mean, that, that, that little motif of the elevator was, uh, was, was, that was almost just begging, uh, viewers to start a a mad men death pool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True, true, true. What were your, uh, I guess, what were your favorite moments in the season, Simon? Uh, oh, God. I mean, there was a lot of really great moments. I think if I had to choose a favorite episode, uh, I think um, Faraway Places was fantastic. I think it was formally very interesting, and I think it really nailed that balance I was talking about, at least in a way that I found. I mean, it was entertaining. It told us a lot about our characters it was surreal, it was uh, daring, and it was uh, – I, I remember um, – I, I, I probably mentioned this when we did the episode, but um, I was in New York. It was one of the only episodes of Mad Men I've seen live because I'm never around when it actually airs. And I was there for the Tribeca Film Festival, and I and – I'm sorry, Tribeca, but – that episode was just so much better and more fully realized than any movie I was there to see. I was I was blown away. For for me, that's it's fun funny, yeah, Simon, because the first thing that popped into my head was that lovely scene with Jane and Roger um, when they're on LSD, uh, and I, which I I'm I'm surprised as anyone to have a, a scene with Jane be one of my favorites because. Uh, <laughs> She really is not uh, not up there for me. But that and, and the other one that pops into mind is is the Christmas waltz scene with Don and Joan. Because um, I've I've really enjoyed as much as I was, you know, not a fan of what has happened recently with Joan, just because uh, it destroys your heart. Um, yeah, and for uh, other reasons. The um, her her journey over the course of the season at least up until that point, was so satisfying. Um, finally mm. throwing that bastard out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of, of her story this season, as well as just being so happily surprised with, uh, with, with Megan as well. Yeah, yeah. 
I I, I got to say it was a similar thing for me. I I I thought it, my fondness for her grew as the season went on, uh, and and it wasn't that I had a hangover from loving Faye Miller or anything at the end of the fourth. It was more that I found Megan to be a little bit more, or Megan as I, I, I never know how you Americans the 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 <laughs> Megan is it Megan or Megan? Either one is fine. Right. Okay. Well, I put Megan down here anyway. And I found her more manipulative early on in the season. But then I thought as things went on, she was justified in a lot of her concerns and her, I guess, her dealings with Don. Uh, And from that, I sort of, I really did start to like her. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think Jessica, I mean, again, I'm on record as being slightly biased because, you know, she's... She's a Montrealer, and I'm I'm not a Montrealer anymore, I guess, but I'm a Montrealer at heart. And uh, I thought she, especially just early on when she was starting to bring in some Quebecois slang and 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 you know bring in her French family and stuff, although they sounded, I, I still think they sound weirdly Parisian. I I thought just bringing in that whole d- dynamic, just mixing it up a bit, I thought was fantastic. But I thought is I think she's done a great job, and I'm I'm glad to see her getting some some good work. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Of, there were some other great moments that I totally forgot to to mention. I mean, Don and Peggy's breakup, if you want to call it that, was mm-hmm. so heartbreaking. And I, I, I mean, I think it was the most earned bit of heartbreak for me in that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, was really well done. And you, you already mentioned it, but the montage of um, of uh, Ken reading his story, overlaid with with Pete, I thought was one of their better sort of closing montages of the season, which to me, even the one at the end of this episode, uh, this finale rather was a little too much. I would have been just as happy with them ending with him walking away from, from Megan's set. I was so on the nose though. It was, ugh. he walks away from the bright colors into the shadows and it was so pretty. (laughs) 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 Oh, if we're talking about best moments of the season though, we have to give an honorable mention at least to Lane punching out, uh, Pete, just because it was so fun. <laughs> I laughed so hard that my roommate thought something was wrong with me. And then he's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, Mad Men. He's like, I'm confused. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, that was a laugh out loud moment, though, which was surprising for that. Um, but Lane just said what was in all of our heads, you know, that you're a little worm and we're going to take care of this or whatever he says. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I, th- I think that was the beginning or close to the beginning of us realizing, wait, they're just going to they're just going to roll with it this season, aren't they? They're just going to, they're going to give us everything we want or don't know we want or really, really forcefully don't want, but they're, they're going to go to the extremes this, this time around. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, Don and Peggy's breakup. Let's talk about their lovely scene in the finale. I was so glad to see them interact. I was shocked when we saw her 15 minutes into the episode, because I was sure Weiner was going to be a dick and not have her in the episode at all. Because uh, that's the sort of thing he'd do, <laughs> but um, yeah, their scene in the in the theater was lovely. I, I I I was trying to make something of it. I mean, they're watching Casino Royale 1967, um, and I couldn't work out why, as a big Bond fan, why they would both uh, both be watching that film. It, it doesn't seem. It, it almost seems like oh, we've got to get Peggy in this week. Okay, what do we do? Right, let's chuck her in a theater, 
and we'll have Don run across her. Although it's nice um, to see Peggy again because she's definitely my favourite character. Um, I thought there was a little, it was a little bit too much. I would have well, preferred it, maybe. It, it maybe made it maybe made more sense to have them go see the only live twice. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. But then they couldn't have the song at the end because that would have been too much for sure. So I don't know. True. But true, I, true. I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, obviously Lane's suicide's massive. It's it's not hilarious by any stretch of the imagination. It's not anything like that, but it, it's massive for a different reason. I guess I was surprised with how graphic they were with it. I still have those images imprinted on in my brain. It's mm-hmm. it's not something I expected from Mad Men, to be honest. Well... I can't think about it now without thinking about uh, Jared Harris doing a Monty Python jig. No. Um, like he said he really wanted to when they were shooting that reaction shot. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I think, sorry, to go back to the, the Lane and Pete fight, I think part of why that was so successful and satisfying is that at that point in the season, we really wanted to laugh. And if there's been a flaw to this season, I think a lot of it, especially the last few episodes, could have benefited from a few more laughs. Uh, yeah, especially since there was, it felt uh, really out of out of balance because those first ten episodes, there's a lot of humor, and there's some of the funniest things that have ever happened on Mad Men, like like the fight, for instance, which um, I don't know for for me doesn't quite top the. The writing, the writing mower for comic violence on Batman, which, by the way, should have prepped you for any sort of uh, graphic violence. Um, but and then the those the the episodes that followed were just so like I wouldn't say totally humorless, but pretty close. Yeah, uh, I actually that's something that may have got on my skin with regards to Pete. Normally, he would have some sort of I don't know, hilarity happened to him or he would say a ridiculous line or, or, or whatever uh, and I'd fall in love with him again and that just didn't happen uh, in this season. And, yeah, you, you, uh, you're right. It's, it, there probably was a dearth of, uh, of um, humour in the latter part of the season, which may... Uh, I'm not sure if they meant it. I'm sure, knowing Weiner, he probably has that all under his thumb, but it's interesting nonetheless. I, just for fun, since this since I've been thinking about this all morning, how would you guys rank this season? Because I think for me, season three is still the best. And with season with I like season one and two are, are especially season two is really good. Season one is to me still the worst season, uh, which is kind of a rarity. But um, I. Three, four, and five are really the tricky ones for me, and I, I think three is still the the best and most consistent. Four has the suitcase, which is amazing, but then it has um, the episode afterwards, which I always forget the name of, which is which is as bad as the suitcase is good, mm. and it is kind of all over the place quality wise. So I would I th- I think I would put them three, five, four, but I'm not sure. I'm really agonizing over it. Um, for for me, I watched, I caught up with Mad Men after it had been going for a while. So the first several seasons just kind of blend together for me. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, with, I, I have trouble just separating out where three is and all of that. 
Um, but I would say that I, I liked the season more than season four. I felt it was more consistent. And I mean, every single week we were walking away saying another amazing episode of Mad Men. We're going to have to spotlight it on the televerse. Um, yeah. yeah. So, well, at least for, at least for a while anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I guess I, yeah, I have a boring answer of, I don't know. Cause it's been too long since I watched season three. <laughs> Adam, what about you? I actually went back over and watched rewatched it all again and then rewatched it again because I'm a nerd and <laughs> uh so for for me 5 is probably the most consistently top uh that the show's ever been uh I actually I rate season 1 I think it's I think it's solid I think there are moments where I think sort of the whole Dick Whitman um backstory appears a little clichéd I guess but uh, it'd probably be five, four, one, and then, yeah, as Kate says, two and three for me. Uh, well, three blends in just to, to to two really for me. So I'd have to say five's the best, followed by um, one four. So wow, <laughs> so we're all over the place then. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, it's it's been a it's been a for the most part, very consistent show. It's, you know, it's always in the conversation of best shows on the air, I would say. So clearly they're doing something mm -hmm. right over there at the Mad Men offices. I guess uh, I'll ask, we said favorite moments. How about least favorite moments, moments of the season? And then I guess uh, favorite surprises. For, for me, I the whole Joan thing, I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, people debate all kinds of sides of Joan's, you know, Cleopatra moment, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, but to to me, the issue wasn't that she would do it. I think there's, I mean, it's it's a really difficult situation to quantify and to place yourself in. To me, that that scene of the partners just sort of going with it and accepting Pete's version, and especially Roger not saying anything, something that I was really hoping they were going to address in the future episodes and didn't. Uh, that to me was the biggest WTF. What are they doing here? Moment of the season. Okay, and then surprise. Mm -hmm. Surprise. Um, Ginsburg. Okay. And uh, I, I I really liked the character of Ginsburg. I I love that scene of of him at home, which was so strange and uh, so so charming. And I think another disappointment was not getting an, enough of him as the season went on, because I, I was really interested in what he was up to and we kind of lost track of him, which is weird because we, we, we followed him home, which we almost never do with, with the, uh, with the copywriters who aren't Peggy. So, uh, I'm hoping they pick up the thread with him in a, in a major way next season. Adam, how about you? Um, probably in terms, uh, least favorite moments would probably have to come down to the final episode, which is sad. Um, Probably the moment where Pete tells us all what we sort of know already, and that's his motives behind chasing women the entire season. Uh, it's been, I guess, it's, I'm a, my pet hate is um, obvious exposition, and that to me was a vehicle for, hey, let's tell the audience what's going on. So um, through a, you know, a forgetful Beth. Um, so that for me was probably the, the worst, the worst moment. Um, or the weakest. 
Uh, what was the other one? Surprise. Pleasant surprise. 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 Well, to be honest, I didn't see Peggy leaving. Um, and although it makes perfect sense now, um, when she left, uh, it was probably made even more emotional because you just didn't see it coming. Uh, and they'd built up such a fantastic sort of screen presence together, um, and and it did. I'll, yeah, I'll say flat out, it surprised me. Yeah, um, I guess least favorite was probably for me was probably uh, some of the Betty stuff. Even just that 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 fight between uh, Sally and Betty um, from just a, f- a couple weeks ago. I was, I was not a fan of, I think that's the most politic way to put it. I thought it was not a good, not a well made or done scene. Um, and, uh, and, and so I guess that would probably be as much as I do think there are interesting story points in that arc. I'm just not a a big fan of hers. So I guess that's probably where I, I would go. Um, and then for surprises, uh, I agree with the ones that that you guys said. Absolutely, I would also throw in uh, the more the further away I get from it, the more I kind of love Kinsey's re- uh, recurrence and just coming back as this completely different, you know. But then also the same kind of situation coming back in <laughs> completely different, but yeah, yeah. situation. Yeah, so I guess yeah. that's what I'd go with. Which was another – so actually, that was sort of the last bit of great humor we got out of the season, I think. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Yeah. Well, I, I, just just two other points quickly, if I may. The um, the two characters, just a little bit of a character exploration here. Stan, I thought, sort of in the lead-up to season five, you know, they said, oh, Stan's going to get a bit of a greater role and everything. And I thought he was probably <laughs> – the most least explored character in the entire of that support crew. Like we even got a Ginsburg, you know, as you say, Kate, we went to a home and, and, you know, and we share, and yet with Stan, it's as far as, as far as I can see, he's, he's, he may as well be a glass of water. He's boring as anything. <laughs> yeah. He gets nothing this season at all. <laughs> he could be, you know, he's, he could be a uh, copywriter number three, you know, yeah, exactly. With a little sign on his head. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then the other the other character that I thought at the opposite end of things was Kenny. I thought the way they built him up this season because previously he'd been there for ages and he was sort of a nothing character really. But oh, I, there were numerous moments where I found myself cheering for Kenny or just going, "Oh, he's a nice guy, isn't he?" Um, so well, and it's not like it's not like there's a surplus of nice guys at SCDP. So true, exactly. So yeah, you make make him stand out even more. So I, I really like. I would not mind at all if he had increased screen time in season six. Um, I'd say that I'd say obviously they're still probably going to go hard with P, mm-hmm. um, but we'll have to wait and see other them. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Do I mean we've uh, gone. <laughs> almost double our normal uh, uh, time for these for these segments. But there, I think there's been plenty to talk about. We still haven't talked about Sally or Megan's terrible or mother s- or any or number s- of... Or Secretary Don. Or Secretary Don. Well, who, I think we spent about as much time on her as they did, so... 
Yeah, I think that was another weird thing, how she just kind of disappeared. Yeah, I thought that moment with Thornton, that's actually probably another moment that I forgot, but it is one of the great moments, I thought. It was subtle, but the handbag moment with Dawn and Peggy in mm. her apartment, in Peggy's apartment, I thought that was dealt with to a subtlety um, really well, um, although some people will probably say, you know, it wasn't that subtle, but I, I watched it with certain people that didn't pick up on it at all, and then others it was too obvious for me it was perfect but it yeah it doesn't really say much about character <laughs> no it, they they started the season with talk of the civil rights movement and then we got dawn but since after that point there was there was no mention and maybe that's accurate for the characters but hopefully we'll get a little bit more of that next season um but i guess i guess we'll have to wait and see do you guys have any uh final thoughts before we wrap it up uh, adam well I just I just hope that they continue what what season five set up. As I said, you know, it's my favourite season so far. So hopefully, um, I'd say they're probably going to have to introduce a new character to support Lane, uh, the, the the lack of Lane. Uh, but I mean, overall, the entire season was just about spot on. So I, I, if we got another season five next year, I would not be unhappy at all. Absolutely. Simon? I'm just wondering how much longer they're going to go. Because... Two more years. You know, are we going to get... Oh, is that final? They've set an end date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, his... Weiner signed through a seventh season. Uh, and Weiner said that has said that'll be the last. So, two more years. Okay, well, that's so much for questions I didn't think had answers. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely curious to see what, in what form the show returns next year. If it's uh, if he decides to keep up this kind of narrative momentum, or if he, or alternately, if he decides he wants the show to to be continually as depressing as it's been the last few weeks, we'll see. Um, I, I that would be a real bummer in more ways than one. But uh, I, I do think it was a very, very strong season with a lot of highlights, as much as I had some misgivings about where it ended up. Yeah, I, I guess the, what the note I'll leave it on is it's been a really strong season, and uh, and I've I've been I've been surprised in uh, by several new characters and performances, and uh, I've I've very much enjoyed having Madman on my TV. And this it's going to be hard to do our Emmy picks because assuming Breaking Bad continues to be Breaking Bad. Uh, it's it's been a good year for television. We're we're gonna need to stick Timothy Oliphant and uh, and John Hamm and Walter White in a room and just have, let them duke it out. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, yeah I don't know who'd have the upper hand in that one. Timothy Oliphant wants to pull a gun on everyone most of the times, <laughs> so probably he's probably got John Hamm covered. <laughs> Good time. So well, thank you, Adam, so much for coming on the show to help us break down this this dense, shall we say, finale and, and season. Where can our listeners find you online? Uh, you can probably find me on Twitter, which is uh, AdamF underscore W. Or you can probably find me on Facebook. I'm happy to add anyone, really. And uh, not too many people would have the name Farrington Williams. So. <laughs> probably, probably they'll be able to find you. Okay, cool. Great. Thank you so much again for coming on. And everyone else, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a slightly different episode of the Televerse, but we'll be back. So we'll see you then. Yeah.